Welcome to the Fright Lab. I'm Lucas Yoakum. Manning the ones and twos tonight is the one and only Joseph Wren. Now, you may notice that we sound a little different because, well, we were supposed to have the new studio sound treated and ready to go. Don't give away my secrets to all the gruesome people, Lucas. I, I know, I know. I just moved in. I was trying to get this place set up, and then you got to send me text messages about we need to do this right now. <laughs> you have no idea who is ready to talk. I didn't see this coming, but we are talking. Yes. It's hard to say. I'm going to get it wrong a few times. Majama jams. <laughs> Did I nail it? I got it. Everyone says Majama, which in fairness, with the douchey, trendy way we capitalize the things, it would be Majama, but just think of pajamas. Majama, pajamas, Majama jams. He got it, ladies and gentlemen. Clap it up, gentlemen. Clap it up. Majama jams is the correct name. Majama is us. Majama jams is the weekly show, and you are in the right pronunciation. So, with that out of the way, you may be wondering, who the fuck are you talking about? Well, we are talking about the creators, the the entrepreneurs, the, the visionaries behind the the Stanley Kubrick of shark exploitation movies, the <laughs> the the shining of bad shark movies, bad CGI sharks. So for fans of the show who might be tuning in, why the fuck did you pick this as your first episode? Why would you go here? Go back and listen to our bad shark episode. But for those who have been following along for a long time, uh, in our last episode, we talked about how much I fucking hate shark exploitation films on the whole. They're mostly <laughs> awful. You're not alone, brother. But I then stumbled upon bad CGI sharks one afternoon as I was uh, wrapping up the film research of that episode. I was like, well, OK, this is called bad CGI sharks. I've got to know. First few minutes, I was like, yeah, OK, tits, shark, violence. Got it. And then. Mateo gets on screen and goes, hi, this isn't actually what this movie's about. And I was like, oh, fuck, what's what's about to happen? What are they doing? <laughs> and I, I deleted my notes from the movie because I'm an idiot. But there is this moment in, in the film where they do the smoke bomb gag. And I'll leave it at that because it's, it's just a funny sight gag. But I started laughing very loudly and maybe interrupted my neighbors trying to like have a nap because I've always thought that joke in martial arts movies is really funny. You know, the ninja throws the smoke bomb and disappears. Well, what if it goes wrong and it just makes him cough? Well, they got the joke. And I said, OK, all right, fine. I, I begrudgingly have to admit I'm really enjoying this. OK, fine. So now that, now that I have. <laughs> so now that I have rambled uh, incoherently for about five minutes. You haven't regushed yet. Don't I have, worry. I have not. I haven't gotten there yet. Would you gentlemen do us the favor of introducing yourselves and what you guys are up to right now? Okay. First of all, that introduction where you call us the shining of shark movies. I'm going to go off myself in the bathtub after this because that's about <laughs> as best as my life's going to get. So thank you for that. So hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for having us on the Fright Lab. We are collectively Majama. I am Jason, the Ja. These are the two Ma's. My Italian brother from another mother, Matteo Molinari. And my brother, Matthew Ellsworth, uh, we, as our hosts have very graciously told you, did a little movie called Bad CGI Sharks. And every Thursday we do a show called Majama Jams, a show where we discuss other people's work to avoid doing our own, breaking down everything from obscure to beloved movies surrounded by a lot of crumpled yellow legal paper. Happy to be here. So that just, you know, that just gets me to the first question of the three of you, who is most to blame for Bad CGI Sharks? That's a great question. <laughs> 
Um, I can tell you I always have a vibrant memory of the Italian here saying the name. It was at this very desk. It was actually over there in the room for the people who are keeping up with how Mateo's room transitions throughout the years. Okay. Uh, but he was, it was literally just an offhanded comment like, yeah, we could call it Bad CGI Sharks. I always remember that, and the stupid name stuck. As far as who's to blame for it? We tried to write, uh, we, we wrote several, uh, the, the, the script had uh, went through a couple of incarnations before Matthew took it, went up uh, on a mountain alone. This is our writer. And, um, Dark times, yeah. And uh, he <laughs> broke down the spine of the movie and put it back on uh, in the closest thing to what it is right now. We kind of all collectively vomit endlessly in the living room, just throwing up ideas. And then Matthew takes all the slop and he's like, okay, here's how I'll sew this together into what would become the script. So I guess blame Matthew if it sucks ass. Uh, there's a lot of ideas that came from these guys too. Yeah, yeah, but mostly the, the one who made more sense to the whole story was it was you. Uh, no thanks, Matt. So that brings up like kind of the whole the crux of this movie, right? So when I when I watched it, I realized like, oh, this is like a, a meta commentary on this very weird, very hyper specific sub 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 genre of of exploitation cinema. Now I'm kind of meh about a lot of exploitation cinema. A lot of it's just kind of cheap and bad. Now, some of it has been a big impact. The first two movies we ever talked about on our show, Ms. 45 and uh, Maniac, are very much exploitation, right? So it's one of those things, I, I, I say this kind of lovingly, but it's such a weird micro genre to have to deal with. What was the impetus of it? Did did you guys just fall down a tubey rabbit hole one night, or shark hole as it were, and say, oh, we need to write a movie about how terrible these are and how we think they could be funnier. Like how'd that you happen? Know, it's funny because this was actually pre Tubi. It was so long ago or seems like ancients ago, but yes, we somehow had started watch. I don't know. If it was a time when side the sci-fi still put them up, but I think they had a lot of regular new yeah, ones probably. or whatever the reason we had. Yes. Started coming back over and over again to the shark exploitation. And you know, we have a love for shark movies, the Jaws, of course, me and Matthew being of a younger generation, our Jaws is kind of the deep blue sea, we were there for it in the theater. We do love the movies and the creature feature, but I kind of agree with you, brother, like, this was born out of wanting to sit down and be like, oh my god, toxic shark or mega shark versus giant octopus. I can't imagine a better time than sitting on the couch with these idiots and watching this stuff, and yet every time we put it on, I was like, this feels like a slog. This doesn't feel fun. This doesn't feel so bad. It's good. It feels like the characters are just flat. We're left with like three minutes of bad CGI action. And I think we started, at least me personally, I know I was obsessed with that feeling of disappointment. Like these movies should be amazing. Could we make something that actually wasn't crap? And the answer was no. But it's Mateo's joke. Yeah, I still have no But uh, also, thank you so much for aging me. Now, Big hey. Blue Sea was my hey, uh, hey. movie. Andy. This man may be older, but he's actually worked and done stuff. Me and Matthew are wannabes. This man was famous, and he'll, he'll deny it. But you know, he's he's a good guy. He's the heart of he, he workhorse here. Blah, blah, blah. Man. Good man. But mostly one of the. But he's Matt's wheel. Yes, I love that. I'm already senile in the anthropology. So. <laughs> um, but it's there was also a, a latent frustration among us even before the idea. We were trying. And that's just a sexual one. Yeah, no. Oh, I was talking about that. But never mind. Um, most oh, you're talking about writing the movie. Yes. Mostly because we're desperately trying Sorry. to write the script to get it some the attention of some producer or some director or whatever. Nothing was happening. We had two or three scripts uh, done. 
And eventually we started to say, why don't we write something that we can actually do ourselves without just like bypassing the establishment? And so eventually we had this bizarre idea, which at first it was incredibly complicated. It would have been, uh, but then we got blessed by a serendipitous case of uh, meeting a friend, two friends uh, in the exact right moment. You can't talk about bad CGI sharks without this crazy moment of serendipitousness. Like this is one of those true lightning in a bottle just couldn't happen without it just coming together. But this gentleman has a friend, Emilio, who came to visit him, brought another friend, Alessandro. They go through the whole vacation on the last day. Mateo's like, well, golly gee, what are you guys up to? They're like, oh, we're looking hopefully for a project to come to America to showcase our skills. One of us is audio, one of us is visual. We had already had that idea. We told you guys about it, wanting to do the script our own. It's literally peanut butter chocolate. You got your chocolate in my peanut butter. And Emmy and Ali, I tell everyone they elevated this movie so much. This would not be... I don't think people would respond as strongly without what Emmy and Ali brought to the project, the visual, the literal bad CGI sharks, and the original score, of course. So always, always salute to our team. That's one of my first questions when I saw this movie. Was the bad CGI, was that the joke? And you built the movie off of that idea? Like you were talking about the sci-fi movies and all the made-for-TV schlock that for me i think starts with the 90s i always think of the remake of the shining since it was mentioned earlier oh christ <laughs> hey even weber I, I i love that tv film can i call it a film am i allowed to say that if it was only on fine. tv that's fine. and i and I, I i love all the stephen king like ad- adaptations that were made on tv especially kingdom hospital but when i was watching bad cgi sharks that that was the first question i had was the joke the sharks are bad cgi Let's build around that. Or was it a it's a limitation because we don't have millions of dollars to do Marvel level CGI sharks coming out of a tornado? Uh, I think the answer is kind of both, because like I said, Mateo came up with that title. We were obsessed. We were like, that's great. That's you know, that's going to get attention. And then as we went on, we were kind of like, OK, we know as per our title, the problem with the common problem with these that the CGI is bad. Is there a way to work around that? Make like, what was it? You say Robert McKee says, if there's a plot hole, show it to the yes. audience. Is there a way to be like, look, we know, because I feel like you go into a creature feature, you want to get off, if you will, on the creature. You see the first shot, it's bad CGI, and you just go, mm, that, <laughs> that's what we're in for. I'll sit through the crappy dialogue, but when the shark does come up, it's going to look like that. So, I think it's a beautiful example to any artist out there. They always say, you know, like you'd be surprised what you come up with when you are forced to do it. You have to do it. You find this creative solutions you find. A lot of this was just simply the fact that we were like, holy crap, these two Italians are blessedly spending their own dime to come out to America. You guys have to make a script. And that fire under the ass birthed like a million things that just happen as beautifully as they always say when you have to do it. That's a big thing of this. And I, I always like to tell that to creatives, like when you have to do it, you're surprised that you come up with none of us. Had, and again, Mateo has worked. He has experience. He has a lot of beautiful experience actually doing this. Me and Matthew just wanted to. So all three of us just kind of got tossed into this and figured it out as we went. Uh, just like, yeah, make the sharks. They can see them. They're crappy. And then just, you know, the kid figures it out. over here. <laughs> just run with it. Just run with it. So Matthew, you had commented that you made the joke, go into the mountains with the script, break the spine and start over. First of all, 
is that literal? Did you actually descend, you ascend some, some, some stormy peak where there are Tengu and other mountain goblins and force yourself to do this like some weird Japanese folklore? Or was it just, eh, I was fucking around in my apartment one night. And- did you, in fact, face down the Yasha ape and did you win the fight? <laughs> I try not to leave the house as much as possible. I keep the blinds closed and the doors locked as, as much as I can so I don't actually interact with people. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Um, yeah. But I think we had tried two other scripts prior to that, yeah. which were just kind of very much kind of hitting on the nose of we're obviously trying to parody and call attention to ourselves and wink at the audience. Endless fourth wall winking. Yeah, terrible. So I think finally at that time, one of our biggest thing was make or, or do what you can. Every movie that's low budget just tries to go outside of their scope of budget in terms of what story they can tell. Like, what can we do? We're going to run around the middle of the night with the three of us. That's all we're going to do. So we're going to base the story around brothers and try to at least enter a wacky idea around a simple, tellable story from our from our um, standpoint. OK, so uh, this kind of brings up this interesting thing that I, I think I said in the episode is that watching the movie and again, after having watched uh, Shock Shark, Shark Exorcist and Shark Side of the Moon in a, like a day and a half span. Oh, my God. You were primed for this one. It was truly, truly stupid. I should not have done it that way. Um, Watching it was, first of all, it was very refreshing because as I said in in our episode, there was very much a moment of like, wow, this is, this is actually really well done. You know, it's not blowing my mind. It's not some brand new thing, but man, it's, it's sharp and it looks nice and clean. And there's some really tense little moments, not with the shark, but there's some tense moments of, of, of acting. And there's, the thing that kept happening to me time and time again throughout it is these guys in this crew are having a really good time because I know of some, I've met some filmmakers and I know musicians. I've, I've spent time in a studio recording this show. So I know that sometimes being in the studio or being on set is just fucking exhausting and it, it can be brutal and sometimes not very fun. So watching it, it was very refreshing to say like, Oh, these guys are actually having a really good time and it comes through because with all due respect, I've never met her. She's probably lovely, but I can't imagine that Tara Reed is happy to be in every movie starring a shark. I, I can't imagine. And Hey man, it's crazy world. Make a paycheck, get the bag. Oh God, again. Well, I guess rents do. All right. <laughs> exactly. And I feel so bad for her because it's like, I know you're capable of better, but after a while, it stops looking like an accident. It's starting to look like you either kind of love making shark exploitation, or you've just hit a point where you say, fuck it. They're paying me a couple grand. Let's do it. And it'll take me three days. So I don't know. So watching it and realizing, oh, this is not cynical. This is actually sincere. It kind of brings me to, I don't know, maybe, maybe the most poignant question that I could ask you a two word question. Why to be, uh, we actually didn't have, <laughs> We didn't have any say in that. Our distributor, I guess, was just part of the deal. Funny thing about Tubi is I didn't know, like I said in the beginning, I didn't even know Tubi existed until I found out they had dumped us on there. And when I first checked it out, I was like, okay, that's where bad CGI sharks end up. You got like Gator Croc 37 and Haunted Titties 5 on there. But over the, the past chunk of years, like Tubi's got big names, big stars, beloved movies. So I've been very shocked at its growth. But yeah, when it first was on there, I was like, okay, that's where you drop our movie. Uh, I didn't know it existed until it was on. I think it was just part of whatever distribution deal we got with SRS. When, yeah, and I think everybody who finds Tubi kind of has a weird how I found Tubi story. So I first heard about it during the pandemic. I, a pair of friends of mine, uh, really gifted creative guys on their own, 
we were watching movies together online via like, here's my cheap webcam and here's, you know, me and I'm watching this movie with you simultaneously. And it was, you know, it was fun. It had its, uh, its ups and downs. Well, someone said, Hey, there's this really terrible Nicholas cage movie. And I can't think of the name of it now, but it has something to do with a bank heist. We need to watch it because it's a really terrible Nicholas cage movie. Oh, and it was, there was another one that night. It was another bad Nicholas cage movie called outlander starring him and Hayden Christensen. And, and it's, it's, it, it is just shockingly mind bogglingly bad. And they're like, yeah, it's only on this service called Tubi, which you can download for free. So we downloaded it. We watched these movies and they're just, <laughs> well, they're, they're Nicholas cage needing to pay a tax bill kind of movies. There you go. Okay. So go. does he think he's a vampire in the movie? No, unfortunately oh, not. He God. thinks, he thinks he's a medieval warrior in the movie, which make of that what you will. So, so he thinks he's a pre vampire. To be so I decided to keep the service because at that point I had watched everything in my private collection and was starting to go through all of the half decent movies on Netflix. And I said, fuck it. We'll hold on to it. Well, it's become a thing that I actually turn to somewhat frequently because you do get big names. Like you said, you do get actual movies that, wow, I'm watching this. Literally. Yeah. But then again, you get shark side of the moon. And yeah, you get the some original. the to be original shark side of the moon produced by the asylum, because uh, of course. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those things where I have to wonder if free distribution such as it is, is that, do you think like that's a really viable option? Do you think that it's mere presence on Tubi has like brought in uh, viewers? Has it actually been a good step for you ultimately? Uh, it's kind of sporadic with how we find out about people watching it. Uh, a specific example about Tubi that was pretty crazy to us to hear is SRS puts out um, neck gaiters like to cover your face for it. Yeah. You know, we dropped in the pandemic time. So we have bad CJ shark neck gaiters. So a good buddy of mine I grew up with bought a couple just to support. And he had to send an employee of his out to a warehouse to pick something up. He's like, hey, they might ask you to wear a mask. Take this gator I bought of it. So the guy has the bad CJ sharks thing on. He walks in to wherever he's delivering it. And all of a sudden, some guy across is like, hey, is that bad CJ sharks? Oh my God, what's up with that? And he's like, yeah, we freaking love this movie. We're watching it to me. And the employee calls back to my buddy. He's like, what the hell is this thing you gave me to wear on my face? So, yeah. Dude, this poor dude's probably just walking in. He's got these dudes like, oh, bad CJ Sharks. So that was one of the real moments where I truly felt like, wow, that's like an out in the wild, unexpected spotting. Like it almost felt like we were actually gaining traction. We were a movie that's out there. It was a, a, a moment for us. And like I said, they said they had found it on Tubi. So... I do know in a lot of my uh, movie nerd talks of people of a similar ilk, they're very much into it. They're like, hey, a, a buddy of mine who's always recommending obscure stuff is like, it's on Tubi. It's on Tubi. Of course, Tubi's got it. Uh, we're still, we've been blessed to find a fan base. We've been absolutely blessed to find genuine fan base. I can't believe some of the things people have told us about this movie and how much they love it. But at the same time, we're still trying to figure out the actual process of a movie getting out there, how much Tubi does, how much copies we've actually sold. Um, so it's tricky. Like I said, we're definitely blessed that we've had people who like, you know, your beautiful Watchmen comment, they've seen it, it's <laughs> resonated with them still trying to figure out the larger distribution package, but they pop up names pop up and it, it's a blessing when they do. I have to imagine to be accounts for at least some of them. So, I mean, that kind of brings up a, a secondary thought that I've had about this whole thing is it seems like bad CGI sharks has a very specific and peculiar cult following. You know, it, it's what, like you said, some, some random, 
Yeah, some <laughs> rando in a warehouse goes, oh, holy shit, bad CGI sharks. And your poor friend is going, what the fuck did you do to me this time? Yeah. So in that regard, would you say that, like, it, you know, you've set out to make a film. It turned out great. Do you think it's been a success in that regard? Like the, the actual act of getting it out there. People are now talking about you on obscure podcasts. Do you, do you think that that's been the success that ultimately you had envisioned? The answer to the question, and bless you for asking this question, because I'd like to state this publicly. The answer to the question is a resounding yes. And I can't, I, I, I fall victim to the same whiny, like, we're not more known or we still have to work day jobs. Everyone else does. But I try to be the guy reminding these guys of what we've done. And absolutely dude i tell myself all the time like the things i begged the skies for as an unknown entertainer as a guy who did the cliche move out here you know all three of us moved out here from somewhere else mateo from italy me and matthew from new jersey like hey this was everything to me entertainment art stand-up rap music comedy whatever all of i had no interest in real life so it's so easy to still think we're still in the day job we're still broke it's not like i walk down the street and get accosted by fans but Absolutely. The the things people like we've had people said that bad CJ Sharks inspired them to actually go on with their art. There's this one uh, friend fan on Twitter who's like, I'm only making my music because literally he says, because bad CJ Sharks, the message got through to me. Another buddy just started doing little review videos. He's like, dude, bad CJ Sharks has been so positive. We've had people say they cried over it because it reminded them that how they want to be a dream. <laughs> we've gotten fan art. You know, we, we reach Japan. I get Japanese tweets. People respond with the crying emoji, like, thank you for responding. So <laughs> the answer is a thousand percent yes. If any of us ever come across as ungrateful for what Sharks has connected with or our fan base, <laughs> we should be slapped violently in the face. The fan base is beautiful. You guys uplift us. You get us through our pathetic days. My brother wants to kill himself. Usually <laughs> hates until someone comes in and says, well, gee, I really like the movie. That can wrangle about two seconds of happiness out of him. This includes you guys and the Watchmen <laughs> comment. As I said to you, I don't know if we're on the air during that, but your Watchmen comment had me skipping dandy down the road that a movie existed to say something like that. I can't say yes to your question enough, my guys. And I suppose I covered that for you guys. Do you have anything else to add to this? <laughs> Can we talk? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, but this is the only thing I contribute is the mouth to the group. He's the technical one. He does other stuff. I'm useless unless I blab. We have entered, Matthew and I have entered a, a mime school because that's the only thing we can do when, when we are with him. But it's fine. But yes. Yes. Whatever you said, I, yes. I agree. So yes, yes. Matthew, say something. I wasn't paying attention, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. Sounds good. So, yeah. I wonder every time I see a movie like this, you know, Lucas compared it to The Watchmen, but it reminded me watching it the first time I saw Cabin in the Woods. Something sure. that was not, it, 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 you, you get tricked into thinking it's a parody and then they just pull the rug and you did the exact same thing. That's not what this movie's about. Why do you think movie fans will latch on so hard to something mainstream like what Marvel's been doing for the past 15 years and longer, and then immediately just turn their backs and grab on to something like bad CGI sharks. Because it, it it's up there in my mind with Evil Dead 2. It's a movie that all my friends have seen independently of each other. And then when everybody discovers how much we love it, we start talking about it and we start watching it and we start rewatching it. And then eventually I order the DVD and a couple net gators. Um, give me a second to complete ah. that PayPal transaction. Um, ah, and it sits on the shelf as something that we all cherish together. It's, it's not something that you've been exposed to from all of your friends. It's something that you all came to individually. 
is that is that something that happens for you or is that something you've seen not just with your movie but with other films every time lucas talks about the asylum films there's always something in that list where i'm like yes absolutely and i hear that from a lot of people does someone else want to answer before i rant into my six minutes of passion answer again i've the the as you were talking about the movies that were discovered by by people um my mind jumped instantly to the first Austin Powers, which even if it had a theatrical release, it had a fairly decent publicity before. It pretty much failed when it came out. And then it got discovered in between that and also, maybe it was a NECA, but somebody did. Oh, McFarlane. McFarlane, McFarlane the, the, the toys the, came the out. The toy line. And uh, it generated a surprise uh, uh, interest. And I remember that I've introduced the four or five friends of mine to that movie, and everybody was genuinely surprised. And at the end, uh, I remember my uh, then uh, uh, writing partner, as the closing credits were uh, rolling, he called his dad and told him, Dad, check this movie out. You're going to love it. So it sometimes it happens. Uh, you, you, it's uh, uh, making movies is virtually like everything else. It's just like playing the lottery. You don't have the surefire numbers that guarantee you success. Um, we have uh, pretty much a zero publicity or whatever you are doing on Twitter and some. What were you doing on there? <laughs> what are you doing on Twitter all day? Never. Are you have tweeting about the movie. About yes. And how come your phone is so sticky? Uh, and never, never say anything of what you do on Twitter. <laughs> we had a very little. Uh, we, we have zero. Bu- we have zero budget for the movie, so let alone budget for uh, publicity. We bought uh, we blip, tried, uh, the blip. Oh uh, yeah, we bought electronic. I mean, we've tried. We bought electronic billboards to oh, for Shark Week. Uh, I I definitely think it's special when you discover something. The effect you're talking about, and I think that's why we get a lot of really positive responses. Uh, the lack of it being known, the fact that the title deceives you into thinking it's maybe just another shark exploitation or like a grading, which I'm sure for some people it is still grading. I've read the letterbox reviews, but you know, <laughs> you think it might be a grading experience. Um, and I think um, the what you were talking about of watching uh, uh, Shark Side of the Moon and Shark Shock and um, Shark Exorcist, which Donald Farmer should be killed for. I mean, I got a line somewhere. Like that, that should be illegal. There's certain things that shouldn't exist. Shark exorcist is, I, I believe you said on the podcast, it's spitting in the face of the audience in a gross way. It's awful. It should be talked about in public presidential speech. It should include shark exorcist and why it's a bane on our society. Where was I going with this? I don't know. Uh, the enemy the, deserves the, no mercy. <laughs> the ideal effect is you watch those three, you get tired out by the genre tropes, and then you watch us. I think you really had the ideal effect to have it hammer home. But yeah, I feel like it's that surprise and self-discovery. It means more. We've all had that effect, no matter what it is, where you discover something that you you kind of completely stumble into in the wild. And it's always very special. So yeah, when people have that effect, it's like, dude, that's what we grew up doing and finding these treasure gems. It's amazing. You know, it's so like, first of all, I have to just kind of address something with Joe, because I don't know that it's been said while he and I have been in the same room. I actually prefer the original Evil Dead to Evil Dead 2. I'll forgive you because we're on okay. camera. Okay. But we That's may fair. have to address this later on. I, I, to be fair, the original Evil Dead is a better horror movie. Yes. Yes. Evil Dead 2 is a comedy. Let's jump the shark into scary woods horror and Bruce Campbell and all of his glory. I was waiting for the first person to make a jump the shark joke on this this episode. I wanted I, it to I, not be you so that you would not take heat for it. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I think the thing that it comes down to ultimately, like you brought the point of Austin Powers, Mateo, and 
like, first of all, it's weird to think of Austin powers as the little movie that could, because it became such a cultural steamroller in terms of, in terms of cinema. And look, I, I, I didn't like a lot of mainstream cinema back then. And even I've seen, I think two of the three Austin power movies, right? So say what you will of that movie. I, it, it's aged a little poorly. It looks like it's very much a product of its time, but it is a movie that's sincere. It, it, it yeah. is a movie where they're clearly, again, they're having fun. It was an enjoyable movie. I have to imagine being in a room with Mike Myers at that point in his career it had to be gut bustingly funny. He was just on and nailed it. Most people don't remember. So I married an ax murderer, but I yeah. do. And it's a really, really funny movie. It's better yeah. than Austin powers. I think so. You know, sue me. But yeah, it's it's a sincere movie, right? And I think that's one of the biggest points that my biggest thing I wanted to say about those movies was those movies, you know, Shark Exorcist being kind of the worst of the bunch, I think, because it is spitting in your face. Uh, the friend of mine who who brought that movie to my attention, uh, uh, Matt Frederick, who's really gifted musician and artist and writer, and he wrote this whole book about Robert Johnson and the whole myth of him selling his soul at the crossroads. It's it's crazy book. Um you know, he cracked this joke to me that he believes that all you need is a title and about 15 lines of dialogue and you can get a movie on Tubi, I, which I hope isn't true yeah. because what world do we live in? But there's also something to be said about the charming naivete of a, of a badly made movie. I mean, you guys have seen a movie at some point where you go like, you know, yeah, the special effects aren't great and the acting's a little you know, whatever, but it's fun and it's different or it's interesting. A lot of good movies come out of that. Uh, one of my favorite Examples of that is this movie called Planet or uh, Galaxy of Terror. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's like a sci-fi 1970s, 1980s. It stars a, a pre-Freddy Robert England. It has Sid Haig. It's, it's great. It's so much fun. It's so ridiculous. Most people won't see it because it's only on like Midnight Pulp and one or two other little streaming services that cater. Yeah, on Midnight Pulp. I think I have it on, on Blu-ray. I think. <laughs> Ma- yeah. Mateo, I feel on like. Blu-ray. I feel like you and I. In the direction of the laser no, it's not up there on the. Oh, I'm sorry, not the over over because I think that David Dakota was involved. This is in great it. for an audio <laughs> medium. <laughs> Three sixty visual DVDs on the radio. Right, but so I mean, I think yeah, Mateo. I think you're kind of like another another lost brother of mine who goes, oh yeah, Galaxy of Terror. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Thank God someone else has seen it. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I think those. That's one of the things that's so frustrating about Shark Exorcist is because one, it has a sequel apparently, which I've yet to force myself to watch. With Lloyd Kaufman involved. Come uh, on, man. Grandpa Lloyd did that? Why? Because Terror Firma oh, right. is all he yeah. had to say. Okay, that's yeah, all right. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll grant Lloyd Kaufman a long leash because you he, know, I actually I asked a buddy of mine about that who uh, interned at Troma. I had the same thing, and he was he, he said he asked Lloyd, and he's like, "Why do you do these shitty movies?" He's like, I don't know, kid. I show up, they pay me, they all worship me, so they kiss my ass. It's fine. Like, why wouldn't I? And I'm like, all right, that is true. And you probably show up, and they're like, "Lloyd, Lloyd, <laughs> you're here for three seconds. Here's the money. We worship you." And like, who wouldn't, you know? And then, but yes, it hurt. It hurt to know he was involved with Shark Exorcist. I, but yeah, that's one of those movies that you you watch on a dare because it it's so patently absurd. Again, I opened the episode by saying, of course, I hadn't seen Shark Exorcist. Why the hell would I see a movie called Shark Exorcist? But I was it was late and I may have been drinking. So that's what why you end up watching movies like that. So, you know, I've got to know, though, like going back to your guys's movie, something that I was thinking about earlier today is what was left on the cutting room floor is what what we see the final film the the whole of it like the, this is the finished product or is there somewhere out there in, a, in an alternate universe 
a director's cut of bad CGI sharks? Uh, there, I can think of one major scene, which is kind of, it's, it's entirely based in brother relationship. It's a scene at the kitchen table after Jason comes in. Uh, it was a lesson for me because at first I was really scared about cutting it out. And then eventually I realized it slowed down the flow of the movie. But I think the stuff, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, that the kitchen scene's the main one I think of being cut. I think the stuff that people would recognize sharks for, the nuttiness, the self-aware, the laptop, the baby sharks, all of that is pretty much in there. I think anything that was cut, which there is some, is more trimming the brother's relationship that wasn't necessarily necessary. Yeah, we, and stuff with Bernardo in the beginning. There's, there's some stuff with Bernardo in the beginning I want to have on a DVD release just because it's goofy and fun. But I think everything that someone who's a fan would know to love of it, I feel like we gave you guys pretty much everything in there. And most of it was like, let's clip this to keep the story moving quicker. Mostly because uh, sh shooting it uh, really, yeah, okay, let's do this now. Okay, ah, please, please, please. Um, we, we would try to be as essential as possible. We were so, um, so essential that at a certain point we stopped shooting the scene in the office because we didn't figure out how the shark got the computer to have the baby sharks. And finally, Emilio came up with the solution. Um, but mostly, yes, there is um, uh, some stuff extra at the beginning of Bernardo. It was a much longer um, uh, presentation, let's say. There is the big scene that he was saying. There is an, was another scene uh, still in the kitchen of the two brothers, uh, kind of like a winter is coming. Uh, oh, yeah, the little peering out the window. But mostly after well, that... Uh, well, we do have to say, they did cut my fart joke. Yes. But my fart joke got cut. It's just a little, like, three seconds, but it was damn funny. He wrote the punchline. That's not in there. So we're going to have to eventually do the fart edition. Why isn't that fart in there? Decency. No, but do you remember why? Why did we? It's like two seconds. I don't. I, I guess that it was just like it was. It was a very complicated. Is that is that it was in the middle of the discussion? You know, was, was it too work. big of a laugh and it detracted from the next scene? Probably, and somebody's like, "We can't that. lose all of this momentum yeah. with a fucking I mean, fart joke." That is downhill. Yes. You know, I make the <laughs> I make the joke about a fart joke being cut, but the way Matthew set it up, I thought was actually pretty funny because they run by the factory in one of the running things, and then. When Bernardo's explaining it to him, Matthew's like, uh, or Matthew at one point says, maybe we inhaled a gas leak from the factory and now we're hallucinating. And then and making the sound worse. You're taking any possible. what's going on? I say, well, I don't think we inhaled a gas leak, bro, but I think we're about to. <laughs> it's a live reaction. It would have worked. You sons of bitches, we got, he fell out of his chair. I'm not typically a dick and fart joke guy, but the, the timing of it is great. <laughs> he's, he's a good writer. Oh, shit. Well, okay, so, you know, you're saying, like, you know, he's a good writer. Well, yeah, no shit, obviously. So, the thing that I come to with this movie is, uh, I think it was on the Real Vile uh, podcast, one of you, I think it may have been uh, Jason was on. The, the question was was asked, like, you know, how's the movie doing? How's it going? You said something that was really interesting. You said that the horror communities really embraced this movie. Like, you've, like, somehow they, that's the group that glommed onto it. Why Why do you think that is? Why did why do you think the horror community, as opposed to, I, I don't know, the, the, the so bad it's good crowd? What, what, why do you think the horror crowd's the one? I feel like it comes down to as simple as the... If you take it at face value, it's another. I mean, I guess shark exploitation is horror. Technically, mm, it's sort of. Blood and eating. 
but I think it kind of this is an interesting question because I it, I guess it's just the face value of the title. But to me, and we have had again, I read the letterbox reviews. I've seen this happen. I feel like if someone goes in expecting a shark exploitation bloody good time, they're gonna be like, "What the hell is this cornball mugging for the camera? Goofy!" Like there was one guy. I think he actually enjoyed it, but one guy in Letterbox was like, "This has to be the least amount of blood ever shown in a shark movie." So uh, I don't know. The horror community is wonderful, and they're very embracing and passionate and warm. And I could tell they're a real community. So I don't know. I guess they just kind of maybe like you guys. You're watching other horror stuff, and you stumble into this, and you're like, "Oh, it's a." kind of a different take but i always think like if you want a blood shark time you're gonna be like what the no i don't know what you guys think i don't know word of mouth maybe yeah i guess i mean i i feel like we would have a lot of we've had uh, a couple comedian types that get into it and really love it so i'm always like it's such a goofball movie you would think it would be like a comedy i don't know maybe it's just that as a shark movie you're gonna forever be placed in that genre regardless yeah. of how we thought that the title was pretty explicatory in terms of the tone of the movie, yeah. but a lot of people, uh, some of the most negative uh, comments are people who took offense that uh, the movie wasn't scary or something. With a title <laughs> like Bad CGI Sharks, what do you expect? Also, people are sometimes disappointed. They're like, the shark isn't that bad CGI. <laughs> <laughs> it looks pretty good that. for the budget. Yeah. yeah. Hey, there you go. <laughs> he said the line, yay. He said the thing. At least, at least uh, we with uh, with all the CGI. Wait, I'm 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 preparing a hilarious joke. So get ready to guffaw. Okay, but, okay, uh, we're strapped in. Do it. Okay, with all the our incompetence in working with the computer realm, at least we made a movie that the megabytes. <laughs> you heard it here first, or second, <laughs> or whatever. That's. I, someone, I don't think it was someone, a natural laugh is the fart joke. Yeah, no, that, that was, <laughs> nothing's going to kill like a fart joke. That was that's the why, that's can anything really joke beat a fart joke, joke though? Like, no, it went. That's why it's not in the movie because otherwise, all the rest, the, the people would have. It's all downhill after the fart joke. Out the rest of the movie. There. Well, one of the things, like, it, so my girlfriend and I were cooking dinner the other night. And it was one of those, we just wanted something in the background and I didn't want to put on music. I, I work in a very noisy environment for my day job. So I was like, I just want something in the background that's a little more subtle. So I went on Shudder, the uh, the horror streaming service, and they have a documentary called Shark Exploitation. I said, you know what? Fuck it. Let's 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 close the loop. Let's close the loop. Let me watch this. And one, it ended up actually being really, really like tasteful and clean and interesting and a lot of fun. But what kind of like kicked me in the ass a little bit was that at one point they show a, a the graphic of a timeline starting with the first bad shark movies of the 50s all the way to today and of course you know they hit the the big ones uh you know jaws up through jaws the the jaws and then whatever the last one was called and then okay. and then yes thank you yeah god what a terrible goddamn movie um, <laughs> and then on the very end if you zoom in in one scene on the very end of the timeline is listed bad CGI sharks. And I thought they're going to talk about bad CGI sharks. Someone's going to find Nope. No fucking mention of it anywhere in the movie. And I think you're going to talk about Sharknado of all godforsaken movies, but you're going to skip that. Come on. Now, admittedly, Ghost Shark. At least it's a funny premise. Fine. Leave that. Leave that one in. But but. <sighs> It was just insulting, and I was hoping that it would be a thing we could tie back in here. But the the shark gods are cruel, apparently, and don't want you guys to get that much exposure. You know what? You, God, bless your heart for a million things during this interview. <laughs> we are going to hang up and be better men for these wonderful things you said. But 
to keep it completely real with you, we watched that admittedly hoping for something like your wonderful Watchmen comic where the uh, comment where these people say, and then it all came to a crescendo with bad CGI sharks. The moment the genre became self-aware. Now we, I, I, again, I can be greedy. There's a published book by a gentleman named Christian Bowe. I think it's called from uh, God to movie villain about the history of sharks in cinema. He straight up says, Hey, uh, bad CGI sharks reminds me of scream. You know, someone like yourself has made your wonderful comment. It's been said, but to keep it real with you guys, it's nice of you to say that because our hearts were kind of like, are they going to say that we're the moment when the genre became self-aware and cement our place in the cinematic genre for our desperate hearts? And no, they did it. So we're glad we're not the only ones that were mad. <laughs> glad someone else saw it other than me. Go ahead. They show uh, probably a second. They showed a very quick uh, clip of us running in the streets, and as Matthew hilariously pointed out, they start from the point he's already ran out of the frame, so he doesn't <laughs> even get his two seconds. So, you are being edged out every second of this, Matthew. I'm so sorry. We got the thing on the timeline, and we got two seconds of the scene. I'm at least grateful we got that, but, you know, we did kind of want them to be like, and then it all came to a head with bad studios. They, they missed a perfect opportunity to crack a Skynet joke, a Terminator joke. And then it was on that day that so-and-so in 2018, shark cinema became self-aware. And then you show the scene of the, the nuclear explosion taking out L.A. And oh, dude, I could do a mashup of the Jaws theme and the Terminator 2 theme, you know. Da -da 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 -da. Okay, so when this interview is over, you and I are talking. Uh, so, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, you know, again, I feel like I'm in a room full of my people all of a sudden. It's very strange. Um, I think, like, thinking about it from the perspective of a horror fan, because let's get real, you don't do a podcast like this, 23 episodes with this interview now, and I think we have, what, 27 all total with everything we have recorded. You don't do this much talking about horror movies unless you really love it, unless you really give a shit about it on some deep level. And that's that's one of those things that I, I, I liken the horror community a lot to, like, heavy metal fans and to like underground hip hop fans, like having a little experience in those worlds. I find that heavy metal fans are so enthusiastic. And if you say, Hey, I'm really into Finnish black metal. There's going to be someone in the crowd who goes, listen, come here. I've got this demo and you have to fucking check it out. It's so gritty and raw and awful. And that in that world is, a, is an absolute compliment. So you, you go with it or in the indie hip hop world, it's always, oh, have you heard this MC? Have you heard this DJ? And you end up down the rabbit hole one night of some obscure MC who probably now works in an office from the early 2000s in Los Angeles. And you go, oh, how did AC alone not get a, uh, a, a record deal in hindsight? But because, you know, the world's capricious and awful and doesn't recognize art, I don't think. I think part of the reason that. Yeah, I, I keep telling people that at least someone else understands. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> you end up doing a project like yours or a project like ours because you love it. Because deep down somewhere, there's a little, little itch that gets scratched. There's there's a little primal, maybe it's an ego thing. Maybe it's this like desire to be recognized for your genius or something. Or in my case, someone to just listen. I just want to be heard. That's all. That's all I care about. Um I think maybe that's that has a lot to do with it. There is just sincerity, a recognition that this is a thing that we're doing out of love and not cynicism. Like, don't get me wrong. I look forward to the day that I make a single solitary dollar off of this enterprise because I, I told myself years ago, if I sell a single piece of art, I have an art career and I can die happy. So I hung a couple of my photos at a 
tiny, tiny, tiny St. Louis gallery. One sold, I think I made after fees and everything, I think I made $35. And I said, yes, I have an art career. I can die happy. But you know what the problem with that is? It's total bullshit because then I wanted more. (laughs) Then I wanted more. I was like, oh, no, now I have to find something else that I'm either really good at or someone will pay for one of the two. So I, I think the... The, maybe the crossover there that you you've encountered is just that horror fans are enthusiasts who love a particular thing and will go nuts over a particular thing. Short answer is I, I don't know. It's just something I wondered about because, well, why aren't like why aren't fans of alleged fans? Because I don't believe anyone's really a fan of Tommy Wiseau's The Room. Why aren't fans of, of that saying, oh, and you've got to check this out because allegedly the thing you like is that no, it's actually a hidden masterpiece, which. I don't know that I buy that the room is a hidden masterpiece. I, I these are well-worn territory conversations around these parts too, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> so we need a bad CGI sharks drinking game. Is that what you're saying? Does one exist by chance? Make it up, fellas. We support it. Okay, we we can do something like that. I do have a request: pool yes, toys, <laughs> inflatable bad CGI sharks. Oh my god, dude! We want to do it all. Like I have ambitions of making it a mega like Ninja Turtles in the '90s type brand. You like we like I said, I've seen the passion, enthusiasm. We have a bunch of shirts for sale. I'd like to do more. We're just kind of nobodies without money, but I want to do it all. If the fans will allow it and they want it, I'd love to do all of it. Like I said, we grew up having this experience to be able to have give the product back out and make the merch and stuff. It's a blessing. So yeah, man, we could do it. I would believe me. So what's next then? Like what's the, what's, I mean, obviously you guys are making Majama jams, your, your YouTube series, because you don't want to actually make another film. So is the, is there another film? No, in the no, world? That's, not, that's not true. I have nothing else in this heart of mine other than the want to get the team back together. It's simply, I think Emmy is back in Italy. Ali is in Singapore, Singapore. Jeez. He had a child. Uh, I want my team back more than I believe in us. I think we can pull out number two. I want it more than anything. It's just, in fairness, we're banging our heads. We're trying to get the script. You know, like I said, the fire under the ass really did a lot. Because without that, even if you're passionate about chugging along. But uh, Mateo blissfully came up with jams as a way to continue it in the interim, which is great. It allows us to be creative, to put the movie in there now, to connect with similar people. Um, but believe me, we want desperately my heart is desperate and hungry for movie number two from a jam. Only with my crew. I want Emmy and Allie back. I want my boys back. Uh, Emmy and Allie, if you're hearing the show, and I don't know how you would, but if you are hearing the show, you are now not just required, but you're honor bound to do yeah. this. It, it must happen. So, I mean, I'll what, hunt them down. excellent. I'll, I told them that I said, boys, I will hunt you down. So what would it look like? Is it, is it a bad CGI sharks to the sharkening, uh, how I learned to stop worrying and love the shark. I mean, what, what is the, hey, how hey, I learned to right. stop worrying and exploit the shark. That's right. That's there you right. Go. You know, I, I annoyed the hell out of these two with wanting to do a sequel right around finishing wrapping. Like I was just like, okay, there's clearly characters that we discovered something in here. We brought in parts of our real lives. Let's build on this. Let's T to it. Let's beef it up. And then, uh, I don't know in the, in the time since, I think, we talk about some of that confusion where like the title throws people off. They're like, you guys meant to be shit, right? Like it's, it's good, but you meant to be shit. So me and Matthew say, we would love to just do a straight up comedy and without the, like the meta fourth wall self-aware gimmick and just have then people say like, it was just a comedy. You hate it. You hate it. If you didn't think it was funny, good, but judge us on just that. So um, we do want to continue to build on the brother relationship being a part of it because, you know, me and Matthew are weirdos. We love hanging out. We kind of do push away the maturity and, and hide in this. So 
I feel like the realness that makes a script good is in there and these type of themes. So I would like to continue with the brother themes, uh, but we'd like to do something different and try for straight up comedy. Like I said, beautiful to be embraced and be in the horror community, but we're goofballs. We are all about laughs. Anytime someone laughs, it means the world to us. We want to try to do something straight up comedy and see how the people receive it. And then they'll be like, screw you guys, make bad CGI sharks too. No one cares about your artistic aspirations. <laughs> You know, I am an engineer, so I have this bad habit where I make suggestions when they're not welcome. But I do have one, and I'm not going to say it out loud, because if you actually like it, um, I want you to take credit for it and run with it. I think we all love creature features here. We all love horror movies. I'm sure you guys have an entire library of films, not just one genre. But if money was no object and the contract came your way, what is a film you would like to make? A remake of, but do a bad CGI remake. Ooh, from Hell It Came, in 1956. Wow, he was quick with that. At least <laughs> elaborate. has been thinking about this for a hot minute. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because it's uh, clearly is uh, my. Uh, You're seriously scribbling this answer alone in a dark room for years. <laughs> my favorite uh, uh, horror movie. He's gonna movie. ask someday. <laughs> it's it's a movie that I genuinely. I'm I'm, I'm the only one who enjoys it. Um, although I met uh, one of the protagonists uh, uh, who was still alive, I think. Uh, that, I mean, I had to dig him up, but whatever. And uh, it's from Hell It Came. Um, allegedly is in the public domain, but it's a story very similar to The Mummy, only with the sole difference that uh, the, um, the the impossible love, I mean, the two uh, members of two Hawaiian tribes are in love, but is uh, kind of like Romeo and Juliet, so they, they kill him. They bury him alive, and on his grave, uh, out uh, comes uh, this uh, tree, for some reason with the roots on top, uh, and it's called the Tabonga. Oh, right, your email. And I've always loved the scenes uh, where they say, oh, is the Tabonga, Look. because to me is too hilarious <laughs> to call a monster Tabonga, <laughs> which is this uh, incredibly clunky, slow-walking tree that makes uh, zombies uh, look like Usain Bolt. So <laughs> hey, how could you possibly die succumb in front of this thing? And yet uh, is hilarious to me from the get-go. So a little bit of context for 16 years of my friendship with Matteo, his email is Tabanga2001. <laughs> so I, that word lives in my head. And every once in a while, I'm reminded it is what he just said, but it's just like infested in my brain because I've been emailing this dude for 16 years. That's the perfect answer because it's already kind of a wonky monster. So there it is. If I was going to go with some kaiju aspect, but he answered better, okay. we'll, we'll remake Tabanga all wonkier. Yes, okay. The wonky McWonkington version. I, I was going to say because I watched... Uh, I had to move recently, and I, I, when I was packing boxes, I just put on a movie in the background just to have some noise. I put on this... Um, I don't know if it's an Italian or Spanish horror movie called The Tombs of the Blind Dead. It's just this. Right, I think it's Spanish. Thank you. Okay, yeah, Spanish film. Really, really uh, weird, wild movie. Great atmosphere, a little gross kind of, but it's, it's really fascinating. But I always thought, okay, if the the Resurrect the Blind Dead, quote unquote, were CGI, this movie would be absolutely unwatchable. This would be fucking terrible. Yeah. And the movie's not great to begin with, but it, but it's really fascinating. So the tombs of the blind CGI dead or the tombs of the CGI dead is what I would want to see done. But I can't believe that three men such as yourself, who clearly have some dignity would ever stoop to such a thing. I mean, oh, 
destroy us. <laughs> you have no idea what this man has in his collection. Yes. It's insane. Seriously, this whole, this view you see behind us is the whole room. If it's not DVDs, it's books. If it's not books, it's laser discs. It's not laser discs, it's VHSs. So where can I find the Coffin Joe box set? (laughs) The Coffin Joe box set is buried somewhere, probably. You are are absolutely fixated on getting that Coffin Joe box set. It's going to happen someday. What's what's Coffin Joe? I'll tell you later. I will just, no, uh, uh, a man has to have limits. Okay. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. So I was going to ask you a question. Now it's lost. So I'm going to just throw immediately to like the obvious stupid final interviewer, uh, you know, uh, drive time radio question. But when I was watching the movie, it, it hit me that there's, there's kind of a, maybe, and maybe I'm tooting my own horn here, but there is kind of a, a, a kindred spirit thing that it seems to me that at some point you all just said, fuck it. We're going to do it ourselves. And that's a lot of what happened with the Fright Lab is that I had I had been out of the creative world for, I don't know, about a year and a half, Joe. Does that sound about right? It had been a little bit of time in full context, Lucas and, and Matt. My, my, Same my, Matt, right? Uh, yeah, different. So I'll, I'll the, the short. Did a really cool podcast for a while about St. Louis. Yeah. That- and because of the pandemic, it came to an end and I languished away drinking bourbon and watching bad movies in my apartment until the pandemic rounded itself out. So I, when I was watching the movie, it became apparent to me that a lot of the thinking of the Fright Lab was, fuck it, let's just do it. Let's just see what happens. We put out four episodes and if anyone listens, we'll keep going. But if no one listens, then fuck it. It was an experiment. We tried. No one liked it. Whatever. It strikes me that there's kind of a, a kindred spirit there. It seems to me that maybe the answer is obvious, but if you could meet someone on the street as this, you know, I've got this idea for this album or the movie or whatever, what what do I do? Is the answer just to simply fucking do it? Like it seems to me like that's yep. just the 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 common yep. core amongst all indie artists is just someone along the line says to hell with it, let's do it. Yeah. You are a 1000% correct. Yeah. Cuz especially nowadays that when <clears throat> when I was a kid it would have been much, much, much more expensive because there were no video cameras or they started to creep out, but were extremely expensive. You would film it on Super 8, uh, a reel of three minutes per time, unless you had a professional camera and uh, things of that uh, kind. And it was incredibly... I've, I've done the stuff with my small camera, but they were <clears throat> horrible, much like what I do now, but uh, they were extremely expensive and more time-consuming for a whole uh, different reasons and technical aspect. Nowadays, virtually everybody has a studio in their pocket, and you can do something like that. Exactly. You can be creative. There are movies that have been shot entirely on iPhones. Uh, there are movies that uh, have been shot with... Uh, uh, which I thought it was very clever, and it's called, I don't remember, but it was, I think, Barry Levinson, the director of Rain Man, did um, this movie where it's a, technically it's a found footage, but it uses uh, very creatively any kind of camera, surveillance cameras, uh, uh, traffic light cameras, uh, uh, every, wherever there is a camera, and it tells a story, and it's a horror story, and it's, it's very interesting, and it didn't, he says in the commentary, it didn't cost much because... He didn't want to use actors because he had to be a fake documentary, um, but he was incredibly creative. So it is possible to do it. And uh, okay, if it comes uh, out bad, never mind. At least you did it. You learn a lot of things. You learn what works, what doesn't work. 
and the next one will be better, and the next one will be better, and, and so on and so forth. So It's deceptively simple. I remember one of the moments that was illuminating for me is after I was you know, talking about sharks on Facebook, and it got released, and one of my high school classmates hit me up and was like, hey, Jason, my girl wants to get into acting. Do you have any tips for how to break into the business? And that was just hilarious to me because it was like, my dude, I work a day job. I barely have any money. And the old, I mean, I gave him a whole answer and I broke it down. I always try to be, someone has those inquiries. I know what that's like. So I tried to give him a really long answer. But like you said, in the end, it's like, I don't know, dude, we just did it. That, yes, there were layers to what I did and how it worked and how I got to a distribution company. But in the end, it was just a bunch of dudes who did it. And I think all of us, in my blessed conversations with similar creative types, similar unknown artists, people of a similar ilk, I feel like the uplifting thing is there's only one artist problem. And if it, you ask an artist to you know, drain his heart, it's going to be probably like, I'm so passionate, but I doubt myself. Or I don't have the time or I don't think I could or it won't be perfect. Yeah, you'll hear the same thing, the same longing mixed with doubt. You just got to do it. It's deceptively simple. And uh, as much as I, Mateo? I have some, no, finish. No, go ahead. No. I, 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 you go ahead. Go ahead. Another thing that uh, occurred to me, um, um, thinking in the meantime, um, either write or whatever, pick a project, possibly within your means. Yeah. Because it's horrible to do, oh, I wish I could have done this, uh, but I can't, because usually in base you look bad. Um, we wrote, he, he came up with the, the three characters, which pretty much are an enhanced version of ourselves. Because uh, as, I, as I keep telling them, my acting range are uh, with the mustache or not. <laughs> and so... Um, <laughs> We try to be ourselves. Maybe we only got one left for you. It was a shame. Exactly. It's only gotten there. Um, and, uh, but that is what actually eventually made us look good because we didn't write uh, the mother scene. Well, you, you guys have a, a, a fighting scene, but we didn't have the Tom Hanks crying. Uh, his art the Asylum the movies cost $12. <laughs> and they're like, what if we blew up the earth and had 16 giant robots in space? It's like, dude, you can't do that. It's just going to look lame. <laughs> Stop making asylum movies. I hate them. They're offensive. Thank you. And, and so, Thank you so much. <laughs> this guy right here, this guy right here in the back, he gets it. I rant every episode about asylum movies, and they're like, it's not that big of a deal. I'm like, they need to be illegal. <laughs> they're passionless and cynical and awful. They shouldn't exist. And and to a degree, that's why also probably part of the the original Evil Dead, as you were saying, were more effective than uh, than others because they were actually trying uh, and they were scratching their head and say okay how can we do this but without a million dollars we try to do this so the shaky cam was born and, and a lot of creative ideas partially born out of uh, uh, necessity because oh i can't do this how can i do it uh, to convey the exact same thing so it's much better to aim low but at least give uh, a project that uh, Low but passionate. You just Low say, but passionate. No, no, don't be, shoot for the stars, but just maybe don't go outside. I mean, I, 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 I don't say, but for instance, the idea, which is one in a million years, but of paranormal activity is a perfect example. Uh, you don't even have a monster. And yeah. It's, and it's, and it's uh, incredibly scary. And we saw it, uh, um, I don't know if it was open at night, uh, Close, year, but something like this. Um, and it was a very surreal experience because it was one of the very few times we were in a movie theater with people who genuinely wanted to see that movie. Not just like the casual, they were just like people passionate. So there was a tension 
that you could actually feel throughout it. It was a very interesting experience. You know, um, just on the the paranormal activity, like we recently talked about it in, oh God, it's the first episode of the last series we did. And it's one of those movies. It's so weird to go back and watch because it still kind of works. It still looks good. It's like, again, yeah. the, the acting is like, well, it's a horror movie. There are certain tropes that happen that work, but it makes the movie satisfying. And it, it is interesting to watch that, that like you said, they took what they had. They took stock and said, well, we can do this well. And if we show a monster, it's going to look fuck awful. So don't show the monster. Don't do that. Yeah. Work with what you have. That's actually a really like brilliant point. You know, uh, I'm kind of a, I don't know. I don't want to say a closet fan of Ed Wood, but I kind of admire his, his passion is that I think if he had more money and more time, I think Ed Wood actually might've been a, a pretty competent filmmaker if his life had been yeah. longer or if he had a budget, but then you watch a movie like, plan nine or something that's even like weirder, like Glenn or Glenda. It's one of those movies you watch and go like, wow, he was really, he had a real vision. It's just, mm -hmm. he didn't have the chops to pull it off. He didn't have the budget to, to compensate for that. And he also had an, a, a weird fixation with an aging Bella Lugosi, which like, <laughs> look, I like Bella Lugosi as much as the next horror fan, but everyone needs to know their limitations here again. So yeah, that, that is an interesting kind of point about, you know, doing what you can within your limits, because I've got to be honest. I, at one point thought, well, I can, I can learn to produce a podcast. I don't need a producer. And then about nine minutes into reading the basics of audio production, my eyes started to glaze over and I went, Oh no, I've made a terrible mistake. No, 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 no. I'm not. I, my former producer, Matt Sims, wildly, wildly talented man. I remember joking with him kind of like a year after our, our old project came to an end. I said something to them to the effect of like, I now understand the sheer wizardry you did in the studio and how much bullshit you had to edit out of anything I said. And he went, I'm glad you appreciate my sacrifice. I, I really am. So, so I, I did remember the, the final like question I want to ask you guys, because you know, you're, you've done the movie, you're doing the YouTube thing, Majama jams. Can you explain to our audience what the hell Majama Jams is? Like, it's we we've heard the tagline. There's a lot of paper, and we're doing we're we're observing other people's work, so we don't do our own. But really, how would you describe the the Still chaos? Not ourselves, actually. Uh, you know, when you're doing a when you're doing a this type of thing, isn't nobody? You know, be like, oh, well, don't you think you should do it shorter? Don't you think you should uh, do more known movies or X, Y, and Z? Didn't you do this and that? I like to say, if I had to distill it, the sleepover vibe. Like, yes, we're movie nerds. Yes, we may be talking about something obscure. But ideally, maybe the actual execution is viciously alienating to anyone that isn't like us. <laughs> but ideally, the idea is that you're up late, you're on a sleepover, you start to get giggly, you got some snacks in front of you, you're with your good buddies, you put on something, and the laughs flow easily. Yeah, you know, we, we go back and forth. My brother obsessively wants to do the crap stuff so we're all just laughing and goofing on it me and mateo sometimes want to actually break down a movie but i always would like to think ideally as goofballs the spirit is come sit with us on the couch we're gonna break this down you might not know it but hopefully through us being buddies we've been good ass friends for 16 years this is our world we adore movies come laugh with us let's break this down and you know like i, I i'm curious because we are fledging we're starting off well starting we're about to be in 70 episodes in but you know <laughs> Uh, we don't have many viewers, so I, I am curious with the more obscure stuff if it translates. But ideally, we want you guys to have a good time. We don't want you to have to know the movie. Come sit with us, laugh, giggle. 
we're goofballs. The three of us talking can't help but erupt in like childish laughter. Right. I think in the we we love movies and we want to convey something. Well, this guy just wants to this guy just wants to joke on infomercials and, and uh, training videos and stuff. That's fun, too. But ideally, <laughs> we just want you guys to laugh. Don't ever think it. And Matthew, would you like to explain the paper? Uh, it, it's paper. <laughs> Thank you. This, it's the paper. paper was all this kid. It at least gives it a distinct look. You're watching the guys with the paper. It's once again an, an easy way to do an actual production value. It is just a shit ton of paper, but it looks like something. Pajama <laughs> jams. It is just a shit ton of paper, but it looks like dot 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 something. Come on and tune in. Yes. We know we don't have the background to be serious movie reviewers. So we but what we do have is a lot of pretentiousness. Yes. And and we start talking, and uh, we take uh, a lot of tangents. In fact, actually, briefly, the title was Majama Tangents mm. at a certain point. Mm. Uh, because we, we start from one movie, and then we start to veer on left and right and up and down, and sometimes, it, and then, plus, I occasionally, I quote, I make them mad because I quote uh, obscure Italian movies or European movies that they had no idea what it was. But since and sometimes I, you speak in another language, I can't understand a goddamn thing. That happens most of the time. Um, even when I speak English, you still don't understand what the hell I'm saying. Um, and uh, and so we just like we go on so many directions, and we hope sometimes to just say that some, if somebody is watching a movie that we're talking about or one of the tangents, they say, "What the hell are they talking about?" And if we can push them to investigate and say, "I want to know more about that movie," or "I want to actually want to see myself or myself." If I share the same stuff, then we've done our job. You know, every Thursday after we film the episode, we're going to actually do this after we disconnect with you guys. Mateo's like, hey, I edited the new ones. Let's watch them. We watch what Mateo's done. Me and Matthew are cracking up. And every time I'm sitting there laughing at it, like, just hope someone other than us finds this is funny. <laughs> so, you know, at the very least, we're enjoying the episode. <laughs> but to sum it up to anyone who may be listening to this, we just want you guys to laugh with us. It's movie-based, but hopefully you get some giggles and just, you know, release the stress of the day. It's all about comedy. If you're, come come watch Majama Jams, and if we fail, don't watch another episode, but we just want to make you laugh at some dumb friend-based convos. That's all we want to do. You know, it's so funny because I was in a conversation just this weekend with uh, a friend of mine, and he said, deep down, people want to be entertained. Sure, an education is good if you can pick it up or if you can give it, but people want to be entertained. And I, I sometimes wonder to myself as I'm finishing a script is like, okay, I've gotten a point across. I'm not, I don't think I'm an especially good critic in a lot of regards and in a, like a scholastic sense, no one's going to be reading my, my master's thesis, quote unquote, uh, about whatever movie, cause it, it won't happen. But I do think that, you know, at the end of a script, I say to myself like, okay, did I get, did I get the point across? Did I, did I say we're going to talk about a, B and C and actually talk about a, B and C um, as kind of a, a spoiler. I have an upcoming episode uh, written, ready to go, ready to record about the first two Hellraiser films. Cannot wait. And I, I did that because for two reasons, one, because it occurred to me that there's this like under dimension to this film that no one wants to talk about. And no one gets to, and I, I, it's a good final line for the episode, almost like the last, 10 minutes of the episode is going to be me making my wham line statement. But the other reason I've decided to do Hellraiser was that a uh, listener said, your show's great, but I don't know any of the fucking movies you're talking about. Like what, what the fuck is no one's going to go look up incident in a ghost land and no one should. It's terrible. But 
<laughs> I, I've struck what him. What am I doing with my <laughs> but, it, but it's one of those things where I, I said to myself, well, I can write about a movie everybody's seen. So the other reason I wrote this episode was spite. I am just a spite driven human being when it comes to that sort of thing. <laughs> so I, I get it though. Like when I was looking the definition at definition of hold my beer, it really is. Um, hold my beer. I'll write this fucking episode. You know, when I was looking at the, the episodes you put out this far, I was like, okay, interesting. interesting. Ghoulies. That's where I'm starting because I have a weird half memory of watching ghoulies as a child, which maybe, maybe little kid shouldn't watch ghoulies, just throwing that out there. But I have a half memory of watching it as a little child. And I almost don't want to go back and rewatch it as an adult because I'm afraid it won't be nearly as good as my memory says that it was. Right. So yeah, I, I get it. It's, I, I think the thing that's so fun about Majama jams is that it's, it's chaotic, but like you said, it's chaotic in the way of hanging out with your buddies late at night or a, a teenage sleepover. Because I do yeah. remember popping in, uh, you may remember a really terrible ripoff of Jurassic Park called Carnosaur, popping oh, yeah. that in a VCR one night in like 1998 in my junior year of high school with three friends and laughing my ass off all night because it's just so, That's so good. bad. So yeah, I, I, I think you guys have nailed the formula of that. So all right, well, I've officially run out of questions. <laughs> Let's blow this out at the very end, right? Because I know you guys got work to do. And uh, when we do things like this, I'm, I'm going to pull from, from my history doing serious heavy metal podcasts, Lucas, and say, you know, normally I would ask, you know, what are you listening to this week? You know, what is your album of the week? But for you guys, I want to ask, and I'm going to ask Lucas the same question. Mm -hmm. It's Friday night. We've all got a six pack and a film that we're bringing to Let's just say my house, since I just moved in and I'm, I'm having you guys over for the first time. Hey. What are the films that you bring to the party that your friends sitting around you say, oh, God, not this again? <laughs> Ooh, oh, that's a good one. Uh, I would probably instantly go with a movie called Sick. I was gonna, That's what I thought he was going to say. <laughs> it's an acronym for Serial Insane Clown Killer. A film I probably watched... 50 to 100 times with my friends back in the day. It just never gets old. And there's an episode on it. If you guys want to find out about it, one of our best episodes. I don't remember the name, but there's an episode of Jamma Jams on Sick. Serial Insane Clown, clown Killer, right? Oh, yep. God. Oh, no. And, and may, I, may I entice you, if you watch the episode, you won't just find out about Serial Insane Clown Killer. You'll see how Matthew, when he got out here, met up with one of the cast members and bamboozled him that he had a project for him to work on, which was a complete lie just to get to meet him. <laughs> this unknown actor from this six-cent movie, my brother straight up lied to him just to meet him. It's all in the episode. I'm trying to entice you guys. I, Let me just throw mine out then, because mine is easy. It's Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Okay, that's the obvious okay. one. That's a classic. Right? That's a classic. Uh, Mateo? Okay. Oh, Mateo, Mateo's reaching for the actual visual proof that he yes. got it. Which will be uh, great for the podcast. Right? <laughs> Nothing better on the radio than a good sight gag. I've already written down. We have to get video going, dude. Yeah. If these guys doing? can do it, we can do it. Okay, in the meantime, I'll give you mine. Unless you got it ready? There it is. No, this is Killer Clown. Is oh, he just wanted to brag. Well, we met the Kyoto Brothers. Yes. Oh, nice. Kamasari. Okay, now I now I will. I'm sorry, I always have to. Who was, the one, who was the one that came? Charlie. Charles, Charles Kyoto. Yes. Charles <laughs> Kyoto. Not to brag, actually showed up to the bad CGI sharks premiere. Yes. Bless your heart, Charlie. Woo! You didn't have to do that. Um, my answer would probably be. 
And my God, do I force this movie on people? I pray at the altar of Freddie got fingered. Oh, I grew. I, I was oh. in senior year. <laughs> I was in senior year and obsessed with Tom Green right when that came out. That's my gauntlet. What? Oh, you lost oh. it. <laughs> oh God, that movie. It's there, see. There you go. I had oh, the intended effect. I said, "Oh God." Oh God. Um, the movie I would bring to the table because in the last year or two, I've fallen back in love with Vincent Price. Uh, part, oh. Partly because he's a St. Louis guy. People forget that that's his hometown. I can tell you, I have walked down the street where he grew up. I can tell you exactly where his house was. I'm a, a just stupid Vincent Price fan. But my favorite Vincent Price movie is The Abominable Dr. Fibes. And I always tell Mateo, Mateo is a fan. Great. Okay. I always tell people that Anton Fibes, Dr. Anton Fibes, is my spiritual father. That, that when people speak ill of this movie, I always remind them, you are speaking of my father. Be very cautious what you say. Because it's so daffy and it's so ludicrous, but it's beautiful in a kind of perverse way. And when, oh, yeah. you, and when you look at some sequences of it, you're like, oh shit, the guy who directed The Devil's Reign completely stole this one sequence from a Vincent Price movie. That's so good and so ridiculous. So yeah, I, I would I would pick something like that, or maybe like the Tingler, which I've got I'm sitting on my my entertainment center right now because I haven't I've never seen the Tingler, and I know oh, it really? won't, I, I, I know it won't be as good without the vibrating buzzer on the back of my yeah. seat to simulate the the Tingler attacking. But yeah, I would bring a one of the more daffy uh, Vincent Price movies, and God, there were a lot of daffy Vincent Price Vibes movies. Is a good one, yeah. I'll take that. Hmm? Theater of Blood, which was kind of like a remake of Doctor Fibes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I, I would, I would, I would bring probably two, depending on. I, I need to read the room, but um, I would bring uh, either Tentacles, which is uh, the Italian ripoff uh, of uh, of Jaws, which is uh, absolutely hilarious, or finally, because I, I want for them to see it, and eventually we will. The Big Bus. Oh yeah, he's pushing that. The hard. Big the movie Bus. That nobody oh, knows. I've he's never heard of this film. It came three years before Airplane. Okay. Same vibe, and apparently the Zucker Abraham Zuckers had some hands into that movie. Completely wrong director, and uh, Julia Phillips, one of the producer, was going through drugs and stuff and everything. So the movie pretty much tanked. But uh, it's uh, it's the first. Uh, parody of the disaster genre from the 70s and uh, i enjoyed it very much you can't see what we're seeing but joe just pulled it up on wikipedia and i'm just glancing over at the cast what the hell how did they get anybody from this movie to show up for it and i have no idea few things make me quite so happy as a wildly self-destructive director someone who is clearly unhinged on set is as good like uh, i'm a little meh about the exorcist honestly like it's you know it's it's the horror part of the horror canon. It's an important mm-hmm. film, but I have to imagine that being on that set had to have been just fucking exhausting guys shooting blanks behind you every 20 minutes. Yeah. The room is freezing cold. So you can't ever get comfortable. Like, yeah, man, method acting is cool, but you can't force people to method act. So yeah. you know, I haven't seen it, but it sounds so like exactly what you described with the director losing his shit. And there's a doc about it. I believe it's called overnight about how Troy Duffy, when he was directing Boondock Saints, went from like having this moment to be the new it boy to just completely alienating everyone and just destroying, running the ch- the chance. Have you heard about this? Yeah. I haven't seen, seen this. Have you heard about this? I think I'm pretty sure it's called Overnight, and it's about how Boondock Saints director Troy Duffy just fucked his whole chances when he had the chance to make that movie. So 
I haven't seen it, but based on what you described, you may want to hunt that down. I, yeah, okay. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look that up because Boondock Saints is just one of those movies, right? Like, it's it, looking back on it now, it's a little crude. It's not a great. I think it hasn't aged well in some regards. But at the time, it was just mind blowing. It's kind of this first. It's a fun watch. Yeah, it's like a post Tarantino thing. Like it, it clearly has Tarantino's fingerprints on it in a in a spiritual kind of way. But then you always go, well, what happened to All Saints Day, the sequel? Why Why did it take 10 years to come out? Well, because Troy Duffy lost his fucking mind, apparently. That's always been the, the statement is that he either was on, he had some, you know, some substance abuse issue or he was just unhinged. One of the two is always the stories that I've heard. So, okay, overnight, the Troy Duffy blah, 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 yeah. blah story. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. So, and, and there is also a very entertaining documentary on, uh, uh, the last remake of the Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh God. Ooh, Which is yeah. Much more interesting than the movie and entertaining than the movie itself. But the documentary is fantastic. What is that? What was the name of that one? I know the movie you're talking about, but I can't think of the title of it. The, the, uh, the documentary you're referring to. Give me a second. <laughs> Talk about yourself. And then he was gone. No, I have to and thus he walked out of our lives forever. Lost skull. Soul. Soul. Lost, Lost souls. Soul. Okay. Okay. Yep. There it is. Okay. Yep. The the doomed journey of of Richard Stanley's Island of Doctor Moreau. Okay. Yep. Yep. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to sit down with that. That's gonna be. Yeah. I, that could be a good weekend watch. It's very interesting to see what happened with that movie and how it just kept going downhill, downhill, downhill. I don't want to spoil it for you, but. If it hadn't had Marlon Brando in it, and oh, if wow, well, it, Joe, Joe, you're missing something on screen that's wildly important. Apparently. Oh come on! So Mateo just pulled out an autographed copy of Hellraiser, the uber special laser disc with the art by Clive Barker. Oh, you son of a man! You know I miss. First of all, I miss laser discs. I just, I just, what the hell? How did that? How did that never catch on? But also. They don't make box art like that anymore. Like you have to go no. Criterion or or the like to get anything even resembling good box art anymore. Yeah, uh, the Arrow is uh, Arrow is doing some very good job um, with booklets and stuff like that. Yes, but many of them are not. All right, bad. so we are going to go ahead and call it here because you gentlemen have been so incredibly giving and so incredibly patient of my absolutely inane questioning. So <laughs> with that in mind. Gentlemen, if someone wants to find what you're working on these days or what you've worked on previously, where should they go? Uh, Bad CGI Sharks, like we said, is available on Tubi. Uh, we're on Prime, but they changed the title, which is an anecdote we won't get into. Uh, <laughs> Plex and Freebie. I don't know. I say go to Tubi because I feel like it's the most recognizable name. And if you guys want, just search Majama Jams on YouTube. We're, we're just about to film our 70th episode. There's a bunch up there. And uh, yeah, and MajamaProduction.com. MajamaProductions.com. Google Bad CJ Sharks. Our dumb faces will pop up in some <laughs> capacity. But please, if you enjoyed this, if you enjoyed this blah, blah, blah at all, anyone out there, come. Come join us on the couch. We're going to talk more like this. Goofballs. So with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for the night. Our dear audience, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us once again. Uh, as always, you can find us at the Fright Lab Podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from all of you. And if you have questions for the Majama Jam guys, send it to us so we feel more important for like five minutes, and then we'll forward it over to them. With that, we'll talk to you again very, very soon. The Fright Lab can be found everywhere you listen to podcasts and at FrightLabPodcast.com. There will be links in the show notes to all things Majama Jams and Majama Productions. 
Thank you for listening and for subscribing. We'll see you next time. Well, if dude is vacuuming, I, uh, clearly that's the time I have to call in, right? Hang on. I can't hear you for some reason. It's my fault. <laughs> oh, geez. What I do now? Is this one? Does it work? Yes. yes. Okay. And back to what I was saying, I was vacuuming. Have you no sense of vacuuming decorum? He was also eradicating my computer. Let me see the damage you did. I I'll just slightly... right back. Just slightly <laughs> knocked out the back. Yeah, it's like you're pulling cables. <laughs> this is our sitcom of married life here on the Majama set. Uh, so let's knock out the actual introduction because we, su- we 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 pretend to have a format. So let's see what happens. We do the same on our show. <laughs> so you know they're still live recording. I know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> if you have your listeners, just enjoy this chunk of dead space. <laughs> on the tail. The what? We'll put the this at the end. Hole.